Warrior Woman, welcome back to the Warrior School podcast, episode 91. We are on the way to 100. It's going to be epic. Okay, so I want something from you. I want you to let me know who you would love to hear on the podcast at episode 100. Who should I ask to get on? I want it to be big and bold and I will be brave enough uh, to reach out and ask them. Yeah, but I want to hear from you. I want to hear who you would love to hear on the podcast. I'd also like to know why you would like to get them on. Uh, So episode 100, it's probably going to be at the start of next year. So I want to know from you who you want to hear at episode 100. Okay, episode 91, we're going to talk about PCOS, how we break through it uh, through understanding our body's needs with Mel K. Mel and I are in the same business coaching membership with Creator Club. Our business coaches, John Marsh and Ruby Marsh, run Creator Club. And Mel's a gem of a human. Uh, So I was super excited to get her on the podcast to talk about her story and her work. Mel helps Aussie women to understand and support their health without diets and supplements, leaving them feeling confident and free. So in the episode today, we chat about how we connected. So we talk a little bit about business. Uh, Then she shares her story and uh, how that led her to do the work that she's doing today. And her course is PCOS Breakthrough. And it takes women from defeat to understanding in six weeks. And this is really powerful. PCOS is something that a lot of women really struggle uh, with and They feel defeated after years of trying so many things and none of them working. So they end up feeling really frustrated, confused, and overwhelmed. So we talk about what is PCOS and what it isn't and how we can really work with our bodies to support our hormones. Mel takes us through the five steps she uses with her clients to take back control of their body and health and to find this freedom, leaving them feeling really confident in uh, their bodies and their strategy and plan that they have to support themselves and their hormones. It was a really great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. And as always, thank you for being here. Welcome to the Warrior School podcast, the podcast for women who train. I believe lifting weights, knowing our cycles and training with them is the future of women's training. I also believe this training, nutrition and health stuff shouldn't feel so goddamn hard and we should all feel strong and confident. So this is your go-to show for practical information to build a stronger and healthier body. You'll find content on training, nutrition, hormones, and tons of experts who want to help you get stronger and healthier. I am your teacher, Amy Bow, coach, dietitian, and the creator of Warrior School. Okay, Warrior Woman, let's do this.
there you go. That's my cue. We're on. Yeah, we're live. <laughs> I let the Zoom woman tell me when we're going to start the podcast. <laughs> we probably should have recorded, you know, 15 minutes ago, but we'll get there again. Mal, thank you for coming on to the Warrior School podcast. Thank you for having me, Amy. <laughs> We've just been chatting for about 15 or 20 minutes and I thought I would hit record. We started talking about how we met each other. We haven't met in actual physical person ways, <laughs> but we met in old on, school ways. Yeah, in old school ways. <laughs> We've met on online, of course. Uh how just, all good romances start. <laughs> yeah. I didn't swipe or anything. I no, think no, I no. Just you pressed, definitely didn't. Yeah, just press follow. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were just talking about how we connected and I just wanted to talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, let's. Um, I think, you know, we just spoke about this. I don't remember the pivotal moment where I was like, oh, this there's there's this chick Amy um but we talk but I wanted to talk about like the connection in that so Amy and I are in the same what do we call it business school we're in business school together (laughs) I think John and Ruby would like us to call it business membership like a business membership small business and creator membership I don't know I think I screwed that up I'm so sorry John he'll punish you for that later um and a little bit deeper than that so obviously with the wonderful world of the internet there's a lot of um personalities on there and I had actually started following um Vic from Anatomy in Motion and I think that it came that Amy popped up in that so then started following along with Amy's journey and her philosophies. Um, Amy then started posting about the Amazing Creator Club and then the connection between Amy and myself started. Then Mel joined Creator Club. And here we are. (laughs) Um, Do we need to do a two-part series? One business journey, one PCOS journey? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Who knows where it's going to go and how long it's going to go for. Um, I think why I wanted to bring it up and what I was saying before we pressed record, uh, I just wanted, and we can link this into your story, I just want to talk a little bit about why you were attracted to Create a Club. Like what what did you want to go in there and, and do? Because I think we can link it really into like our training and our health stuff. Um, yep. And so that's, you know, I'm just curious. I wanted connection and I, the internet for me had started to become a really dark place. There were, was lots of noise. Um, there was lots of damaging information. Um, there was lots of, um, the internet is a place where everyone has a voice, which is both a wonderful thing and a dangerous thing. And I had definitely joined a path of feeling disconnected, not only with the internet, but with myself. And I, I knew that I had a message 
to speak and I knew that I could help people and I wanted to find a community in which I could help develop that. And I had connected with business coaches and mentors in the past. And as with any good program, you dive in and you immerse yourself in it and give it some time because, and I said this before, there's always a message to learn. There is always something in it that needed to be learnt. So after spending a couple of months in these programs, something still wasn't feeling right. So backing out and going, no, let's start this again. But again, still knowing that I had something I wanted to communicate. Um, And yeah, then came Creator Club and a conversation with John about what I wanted to do and what I wanted to create. And I remember, I don't know if it was in that initial call or somewhere in that initial journey, um, was the conversation you are either a consumer or a creator. And that was a massive light bulb for me. I am a creator and I want to be in this community. Oh, I love that. I know. And I think it goes the same with our training and, you know, our health stuff that Mm -hmm. we can be consumers. So we can follow more people, read more information. Uh, But I don't think that makes it easier. I think it makes it harder. Or we can actually be, you know, we can be a creator or we can be, I don't know if I have a word for it. I would call it a warrior you know, which is deciding to like, to not, you know, to not follow more people, to not read more or research more, but actually uh, create your own practice and and listen to your body. Uh, Yeah. So I really like that. You can be a consumer or a creator. Absolutely. And that, and you're absolutely right with that. And, you know, I'm sure you've had women come into the program and I know that it's the same with my client, you know, how many diets have they done? How many programs have they done? How many gyms have they joined? How many personal trainers have they been through trying to find the next big thing, trying to find another hit? And, you know, at some point it comes down to actually wanting to improve yourself and sit with where you are to develop that. Yeah, it's really hard because, you know, I've been in this space for 13 years and there are a lot of coaches and trainers that aren't actually healthy or strong themselves that, you know, there's a lot of methods and processes that these women have followed for years or decades that, you know, haven't worked with their body. And so they, you know, they're just frustrated and tired and confused because of that, uh, But I also know a lot of amazing people out there that are amazing teachers and coaches that do have amazing processes and methods. And this is what I want to dive into today with you. I want to start by what do you do? And then we're going to go back because I like to dive into story and some deep history and connect the dots. Like I really love that Steve Jobs uh, quote around, you know, it's really hard to like look forward and see all your dots, but you can like go back and, you know, you can see the dots and you can see these things that have happened in your history that have like landed you where you are today. So let's start with like, what do you do? And then we'll go back. What do I do? I am a coach and an exercise physiologist and I help Australian women understand and control their bodies um, specifically with things like PCOS um, it was a yeah it was a long journey to get here and be able to even articulate that but that's who I am and what I do 
yeah, I know how you feel. Uh. <laughs> um, but it was really well articulated. Okay, let's go back. So let's talk about, you know, you could pick out maybe like three or four dots in your history that kind of like led you to where you are today. All right, just three or four. Let's do this. Um, <laughs> you, can, you can have more, you know. I'm flexible with my rules. Five. Um, yeah. <laughs> we actually talked about this before. And if you know Amy and you've been following her well, she's a stickler for the process. She loves the process. She loves structure. And she's like, so we don't really have a structure for this. We're just going to free flow. Like, what a contradiction, Amy. All right. I know. And I think thoughts. I even said I'm flexible with my rules. I'm not really. Yeah. yeah. No, you're not. <laughs> Um, which is why you get results and why it's good, but there needs to be balance. So there needs to be a point where you're not flexible. Um, all right. right, We'll talk about that later too. My dots. So my, my symptoms, my PCOS symptoms started in high school. Um, and I was not a very happy child. Um, and again, I'll touch on that a little bit later, but we, so I wasn't a very happy teenager. These symptoms were coming up, you know, I was rushed through appointments and specialists and, you know, all of these things. And it just came down to the fact that I was an angsty teenager. That's what, that's what the box that I was put in. Um, I then left and went away to uni. I really dove into the uni lifestyle and, um, really didn't treat my body very well. Um, but again, I was so desperate to be a part of something that that's the activities that I partook in, um, you know, drinking, partying, eating, poor quality food. Um, and again, my symptoms started getting worse. Um, I then left uni with a master's in exercise physiology and got my first job as an exercise physiologist. And um, in a rural town in New South Wales, Sydney, uh, sorry, Australia. Um, I then joined a CrossFit gym because again, I wanted community. I wanted connection. I wanted to meet people and practice exercise because exercise is medicine. Um, and woke up one morning crying and I was inconsolable and I couldn't for the life of, of anyone tell you what was wrong there was absolutely nothing wrong I was just not happy and at that point I really stopped and asked myself I'm an exercise physiologist I'm meant to know all about the body I'm living this CrossFit paleo lifestyle I'm in a country city that I love um, what is going on and it came down to if I want something that I've never had I need to do something that I've never done and stopped CrossFit stopped eating paleo and just started I did yoga I did all of these things that kind of allowed me to just start listening to what my body wanted and that was the probably the first big pivotal moment for me to go right there's more to this than just exercise and diet um continued on as an exercise physiologist working with people with chronic conditions so diabetes, arthritis, um, mental health issues, um, a, lo- a big plethora of cases. Um, and I loved it. But what I loved about it was listening to people's stories and listening to um, how they got to where they were, what they enjoyed, 
what they got out of it, you know, really digging deep on that storytelling again and seeing the person as a human, not as Sally who is 70 and has diabetes and a history of other things. And so I needed to prescribe her exercise just for the diabetes. Like there was a person standing in front of me. Um, then, so again, those pieces started to come into place. Um, I then moved again. And every time I moved again, it was a journey of coming into my body and coming into what works and what doesn't work. But I still was a sucker for being in a community so again I would join another CrossFit gym every time I moved because I knew that's where I you know wanted to be and every time that I dive into my training I would just be so tired all the time and again it was that question of if I'm eating healthy and I'm moving regularly um why am I so tired why am I so tired all the time um my skin was still really bad like I'm in my late 20s at this point so um yeah that was sort of the journey of that's my dots I haven't given you the finale yet but that was the dots. <laughs> okay so the dots started in high school when mm-hmm. you were you diagnosed with PCOS no okay like we're talking 20 years ago almost 20 years ago um, oh, nice. I wasn't diagnosed. How old are you? 33. Ah, oh, cool. I'm 34. There we go. <laughs> yeah. So 20 years ago, there wasn't really that much criteria or that much information about it. No, but what is interesting is they definitely looked at my symptoms. They looked at, you know, the fact that I was having bad skin, the fact that my periods were really bad. But, you know, like I said, they didn't really look at the mental health side of it. They just put that to the fact that I was an angsty teenager. Um, But as I was going through that high school journey, they were looking at my symptoms. So we were kind of there. But then, yes, they didn't really, they didn't really acknowledge it as a thing back then. Yeah. Or did they, did they help you or support you or or in like, figuring out why you were having these symptoms no it was um yeah like I said go to another medical appointment try this treatment try you know um like I had like I had laser on my skin like it burnt my skin and I'm so grateful for my mom they wanted to put me on Rakuten and she was like no that's not something that um I think that's not a path that I think we should go down um Upon reflection, I think it was because of the links to depression um, and she knew that I was already not a very happy child. Um, But, yeah, I had laser surgery on my skin. Like it burnt my skin and, you know, just these radical measures to try and control what was going on in my body without actually, again, looking at my body as part of its environment. Yeah, and then you experienced this for, well, how many years are we talking? Well, so high school, there were six years in high school and then... Um, I did spent six years at university. Um, so there's at least 12 years there before I even cottoned on to the fact that <laughs> my body was actually trying to ask me some questions and ask me to pay attention. 
Yeah, but you did speak about like when you started to work and there were a couple of times or a couple of dots where you like slowed down and tried to listen to the body. You knew the body was telling you something. Uh, Mm -hmm. But from what I am hearing, there was like, you were torn between like wanting this connection piece and this community piece and to be a part of that community uh, through like your training, but it not working with your body and then your body telling you through uh, being tired. And I'm sure you can talk to like other symptoms uh, Mm -hmm. or markers, we could call them that were coming up. Uh, Talk to me about like, how did you then like what, how, what was the next piece of the story? And it's not the finale, but, you know, talk to me this about this piece about PCOS. Did you do research? Did you find someone to learn from? Like how, what was the place where you finally realized what you were doing wasn't working with your body? And then what did you do? Oh, do you know what? Oh, Oh, there's just so much in that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I had I'd noticed for a while that what I was doing wasn't working but I was so desperate for that community and that connection um and oh I remember the stigma around me not showing up for a training session or me um deciding that I wasn't going to do one type of training and dive into another type you know if I didn't want to do my cardio I only wanted to do my strength the stigma around um being lazy or um which is not what you want from the community that you're trying to immerse yourself in. Um, But again, I knew that my body just wasn't responding how I wanted, how I wanted it to. Um, So the piece that final piece of the puzzle in um, was honestly COVID and the closing of gyms and that opportunity to go, Hey, it, it started happening a little bit before that, but that was the real like, hey, I don't have to do this. And I now have an opportunity where I really don't have to show up for anyone else. Um, and I don't have to train for anyone else or with anyone else because I physically can't. Um, and yeah, that real process of cool, I have this beautiful opportunity now to solely focus on what my body is trying to tell me and those measures and how I can manipulate's a bad word but how I can use different practices of movement and fueling and rest and recovery to get my body to respond the way I want it to as opposed to get my body to fit into exercise fit into diet fit into whatever else it was I was trying to be a part of yeah I really like how you say that trying to get the body to fit into you know to fit into a way, a way of training or a way of eating instead of creating the way for our body or creating the practice. Um, That's what we get taught, right? And I'm, you know, all of the gyms that I've trained at have had wonderful coaches and um, I'm not trying to diss their coaching practices um but to be a part of a community is to train with them like them socialize with them really be a part of it and it leaves very little room for you to step back and understand what's happening in your body and really get familiar with what's happening with your body in that environment as opposed to just 
all you know is that, you know, you've got a set of numbers on the board and that's your outcome for today. But, you know, how are you meant to feel in that? How are you, like, what is the bigger outcome when you walk out of here in one month time, six months time, three years time, as opposed to just, yeah, sticking to a program? Yeah, a program that's uh, not created to, you know, work with your body or where you're at. You know, not yeah. saying it's a bad program. I know amazing CrossFit coaches and amazing CrossFit yeah. programming, and it can be, you know, it can be done really well. But, you know, if you are, the body's chronically stressed, you know, you're not nourishing it properly, you're not sleeping, you're training in this way that's not working with it, you know, it becomes a very stressful practice. Um and one that's just not going to work with your body where your body is at. And I often say this to the women that I work with. It's like, I could walk into a CrossFit gym and I could do it, you know, and I could do it for probably a, a long period of time, but I've spent, you know, 10 years creating this solid training foundation and practice. You know, I know yeah. how to fuel my body. I know how to recover. My body's not stressed. I don't have any hormonal stuff going on. Like, and I could train at that intensity, but in doing so, that would have to become like my primary focus. If you want to do like high intensity, like CrossFit training five or six days a week, you need to have so many good recovery practices and protocols in place to recover from training at that intensity. Absolutely. And I mean, what's your definition of stress? Mine? Yeah. <laughs> what's my definition of stress? Yeah. I mean, because we, I mean, coming from with working with my clients and my environment at the moment stress is you know you're running late for work stress is um you know you've got um 50 million things that you need to do by yesterday and you don't even know how you're going to do two of them type thing so how would you define stress in that situation oh okay stress I really like Hans Celia's uh definition of stress you know it's like um, uh, like there, you know, the body doesn't have the resources to like adapt to the stress, you know, and I think stress is not bad. It's, it's, you know, in the last five or 10 years, it's got such a bad rap <laughs> because, but we need like stress is good. Yeah. Training stress is good, you know, to, to push ourselves in our work or, you know, to mm -hmm. feel st like it's, it's good. It's, our lack of ability to be able to recover from that stress or we don't have solid foundations to be able to tolerate the stress. So I like his, you know, definition of it. It's the body's ability to, you know, we just don't have the resources to tolerate the stress. Um, yeah. And I think stress, you know, and I often talk about like the red umbrella. So the umbrella of like, you know, we have all these prongs and yeah all of these prongs uh, can create stress or can help us manage stress. And it just depends how we use those prongs. Um, yeah. Or we could talk about it is in like the metrics or the standards. So we have like our physical, our mental, you know, our environment, our relationships. And so if all of these things, they could all create stress or they could all help us manage stress. Absolutely. And so I think what's in, important in there and you know very much in terms of things like PCOS the body doesn't have the body isn't feeling supported the body is under this greater load of stress and like you just said we're not talking about it in one aspect it's not just emotional it's not just physical 
Um, it's not just our relationships. It's that broader banner of somewhere along that line, the body isn't feeling supported. And that is one of the definitions of stress that I would use. Yeah, I really like that. Um, so this is a couple of years ago when like the rhythm of the world changed. Is this when you dived into PCOS? Like, you know, like the, the research behind it, did you start to like practice some like strategies? Did you start to work on your own strategy to try and, um, uh, create a plan that was going to work with your body? Yeah, it was, like I said, it was a little bit before that, but that was sort of the catalyst with training. Um, but with the PCOS, I had, I'd been diagnosed myself at 19 and then they wanted to push me down the path of medical intervention. And it wasn't until I'd graduated from university, like I said, I'd had the degree, I was working. And so I was meant to have this knowledge and I felt like I didn't. Um, and I came across, um, I'm, I always butcher her name and I apologize in advance, but Nat. Kringotis, I think her name is. Oh, yeah, um, Matt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, one of her debunking modules online. And that was the real introduction to what the medical industry was doing to our bodies as opposed to allowing our bodies to be displaying the signs of stress. Um, and so from there, again, continuing on with work and wanting to work with women and wanting to work with um, allowing women to feel safe and strong in their space. Um, and I had a couple of people that I were working with that said to me, you can't work with women. If you're going to work with women, then you need to work with just men as well. I was like, uh, okay, I'll just keep doing what I was doing. And so again, it was really that change in the world and change of energy in the world that allowed me to go, Hey, there's no one telling me what to do right now. I can, this is the message that I want to be talking about. This is um, you know, I did this myself. Why can't I teach other people to do it too? Um, so that was really where it came down to, okay, PCOS is a debilitating issue amongst women and it's taking away their power and it is taking away their confidence. Um, it's taking away their internal belief systems and it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, I guess we... Let's spend uh, a little bit of time talking about what PCOS is. Probably most of the women that are listening to this podcast, they probably know like what it is uh, or what it's not. We could also talk about that. Um, yeah. And then I'd love uh, for you to talk through like some key, I guess, like foundations or uh, or practices that you've that you've done yourself and that you know working through with your clients uh to help yep. support them uh and help them manage PCOS yeah so PCOS polycystic ovarian syndrome it, it says it in the name syndrome is a collection of symptoms um it's not an actual diagnosis it is a collection of symptoms um and so again in the industry it's spoken about that there's no cure there's no um you know um because it's it's what's well, definitely a thing we've got this display of symptoms but because there's no real 
quote unquote root cause. Um, there's not this one thing to go here, take this and you will feel better. Um, and so other part of the industry is that, you know, when you start to have, the, when we start to have these symptoms occur, it's super common for them to be pushed into different specialists to be wanting different tests. Um, when the answers don't, when the tests don't give you the answers that, you know, the doctor's looking for or the specialist is looking for, oh, well, you know, we'll, we'll go and do this and we'll go and do that. And it's this constant belief that you are looking for something. And so as females, we then go on that journey and we have to find that thing. We have to find the thing that's in our body that's broken um, <laughs> all, all the time when our body is telling us these things um, and we're not paying attention. So yeah, it just, so what, yeah. Oh, we're, um, yeah, we're like, we're not taught to pay attention. I think it starts from such a young age. I think that we have this responsibility as parents, as teachers, as practitioners to teach children how to listen to their body, you know, how to understand their body, how to connect with it, how to trust it. Um, and it's just not, it's not being done. So it's, it's not, yeah. it's yeah. not, it's really not. And I think that's why I like to talk about the fact that my symptoms came up at a very early age, but you know, I wasn't diagnosed until I was almost 20, you know? So there, again, there were almost seven years of symptoms before a diagnosis came up. And so that's again, seven years of missed education on listening to our body and paying attention to what that is. Yeah. And I mean, we could go down a different tangent here, but as a female, you get taught that your menstrual cycle is a monthly bleed and an opportunity to fall pregnant. That is the definition of a menstrual <laughs> cycle. It's not, <laughs> Amy's cringing in front of me right now. <laughs> um, you know, it's not all these other wonderful things that can help us with our body. It's just this monthly reminder that there's not a baby inside you. Yeah. Um, what I really like that you said is that it's a collection of symptoms. Like it's a, uh, and you know, it's, it's a hard thing I think. And where it creates a lot of friction is that we off, we often chase symptoms. And I know a lot of women that are constant symptom chases mm -hmm. <laughs> and it becomes exhausting. We leak so much energy yep. out, you know, chasing symptoms. I, but I think it's important to understand that you know, PCOS, a lot of it's going to come from like, you know, stress. Yeah. And stress again is, you know, there's so many pieces to stress, but it's like you said, Mel, the body is not feeling supported, you know, so there, therefore there's some stress. So then we get like these symptoms that pop out, you know, and it could be, we could have one or two dominant symptoms. We could have, you know, four or five symptoms that are, um, quite prevalent or present. And so then you, I love how you said that we go chasing for like the one thing that's going to like fix it, you know, fix my hormonal problems or fix my PCOS or, you know, fix my back pain. Uh, but it's not one thing. It's like a whole approach. It's a whole strategy. It's a whole practice. Um, and, you know, not by changing, I guess, the perspective of, of chasing the symptoms and looking at, well, my body's not feeling supported. So how can I support it? You know, not, not like focusing on, okay, I've got this symptom, this symptom, this symptom, this symptom, but 
looking like zooming out could you speak about like the zoom out perspective of like if the body's not feeling supported how do we begin to support it and as a byproduct we might see a reduction in symptoms yeah so that's a really good way again to speak about it we need to zoom out and you know what I was talking about that I experienced with my early clients is that we have a human being standing in front of us. We have a human being with um, values and relationships and different um, learning styles. And so it's not as simple as, hey, go go on this diet, do this exercise plan, and your body will show a response. We need to look at that individual standing in front of us and nurture that individual. So the very first thing that I do when I work with my ladies is zoom out and do exactly that. Who are you as a human being? What drives you? What wakes you up in the morning? Like what gets you out of bed in the morning? What, um, you know, what, what do you, what do you love to do spontaneously that you don't need to, what you don't need motivation to do? Um, because a part of that is also in the society that we live in is that you should be doing this. You should be doing that. This language around should, And it's quite often coming from someone else. It's not coming from the individual. So that's the very first thing that needs to be sort of done is who are you? And just identifying that for themselves is the most magic process. It honestly is amazing. Um, And, you know, you touched on language recently in one of your um, posts. And that's something else that we do. Like I said, should is a really dangerous word to use because it comes from someone else. I think and maybe are also the same because it displays uncertainty. And so are we trying to engage another mm-hmm. response from someone else before we can confidently say something? Um, so giving them ownership back in that. And so the other part of that is, again, is, you know, when you have these diagnoses, you've often been through all these medical appointments and, nobody's listening to you. you again they're looking at you as this medical mystery and so they've usually got their own um, intentions and again are missing that person in front of them so understanding these values understanding use of language and defining who this person is in front of them and allowing them to see that woman um, is the very first part in understanding those symptoms um, the next part is then teaching them a little bit about their physiology and their metabolism so how is your body meant to work how is it what does it like to do what does it want to be displaying and then the symptoms that come off that when it's not feeling supported these are the symptoms and kind of joining the dots that way and again when we've brought in these values and highlighted the person or the woman for who they are and then link them to the physiology of it again the little light bulbs that go off and the understanding that their body is this big beautiful machine that has all these processes that go on it's not just a matter of weight it's not just a matter of energy it's not just a matter of um whether they're bleeding monthly or not there is a mechanical process that's going on that wants to be nurtured not just a physical body if that makes sense yeah um you know once we then learn about the body and how it wants to be working we can look at the food and one of my favorite things to talk about with women and food is society and society's rules on food and society's um history on food um and 
diving into a little bit of that. And so again, giving the education back to them is to start to learn what marketing is, start to learn what is actual food and what is nurturing for the body. Um, and then of course we do go into detail as to what a protein, what a carbohydrate, what a fat is and how important that is to the body. So it's not, you know, again, it's that zoom out approach. It's not just, uh, um, here are the macros that you need to eat to feel better. It's giving them the <laughs> education to go, cool. This is how I break through the BS. This is how I, you know, um, empower myself to learn more about what I'm putting into my body. I'm not just sticking to a diet. I am looking after my body. Um, and because something I, I mean, something I find really interesting there is when I have clients come from other practitioners and they say to me, oh, you know, they've put me on um, zinc, they've put me on magnesium, they've put me on all these supplements and I'm taking them religiously and I still feel like, shit (laughs) and I'm like cool have they looked at you know have they spoken to you about your energy intake like oh no like but I'm, I'm eating really healthy and I'm having my juices and I've you know cut out coffee and I've cut out sugar and again we can have all the most magic potions in the world and if we're not being supported in that process through our energy intake we're not really going to go anywhere (laughs) um So we're like, you know, we're three steps into this and we still haven't talked really about movement or stress. And it's because these steps, these foundations, as you would call them, are super important in understanding the individual. It's not just a matter of prescription. Um, So, yeah, then we bring in movement. And again, we've got recognizing the values so they know what they like and what they don't like at this point so they're not feeling pressured about going to join the local gym or um, join another booty band program or you know whatever it is it's the understanding that what they like is what they like and nobody has to tell them anything else so we look at then movement in terms of recovery we look at movement in terms of building um good movement practices and so yeah um it's quite interesting as an exercise physiologist I feel like all I should be doing is talking about movement but it is so far down for me and my girls the priority chain um there's so many other things that need nurturing and attention before we get to that point so yeah movement is four on the list um and then we talk about stress and recovery so stress being the oh my god I have 35 things to do by yesterday type stress um as well as the measures that they've learned to pay attention to what's happening in their body um not just that feeling of overwhelm yeah beautifully articulated there's like five layers there yeah there is five layers um and I mean, you're an individual, you, we are human beings. There's so many more layers to that, but let's just start there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I think it's also, you know, really important that, uh, you know, I think as like a coach as well, that, you know, we, we have a scope of practice as well. And we have like boundaries in a container, especially I do it in particular, you know, and I'll often say, to the women uh, before they join warrior school is that, you know, there are all of these other like metrics in our, in our life or these prongs in our umbrella. And, you know, one of them might be creating the most stress, but it might not be 
the one, like one of my prongs, you know, my prongs are nutrition training and the menstrual cycle, but it's key. It's really important. And so I like how you start there. You're looking at uh, the individual, you're looking at their like, I guess, umbrella or life. And the thing that's creating the most stress may not be the thing that that is in our practice, but our work can help support the umbrella or the stress. And I think that's a key piece. It's that, you know, you may need to go and do the other work. Yeah. The work in like the uh, emotional stuff, the trauma, like, or, you know, it could be your environment or certain relationships. There's all these other areas that are really key. And yes, of course, you know, the nutrition and moving in a way that works with your body, all of these practices help support the stress. But yeah, I think it's really important that we see the bigger picture, so to speak. Yeah, that zoom out approach. Yeah. Um, And that's sort of, again, why, you know, when I tell my story, I like to talk about the fact that I was a really miserable child. And um, I honestly think upon reflection that that was part of the thing that was driving my symptoms the way it was. Um, You know, nothing, you know, my parents were these beautiful, supportive parents and it was nothing on that, but I just wasn't living into that person that, you know, I wanted to be and I thought I could be and I honestly think that was part of the drivers for um, my symptoms and I've seen it come up in my clients you know um, the mum that thinks that you know she should have her baby body back and has have an immaculate house and have the career and have these beautifully raised children and have it all but hang on a minute you know the body's not the body's not there. So as in the, the symptoms are starting to come up and, you know, it's really frustrating because she's working really hard to have it all. Um, and so it's just understanding, you know, for that particular client, she wanted to be a mum. She wanted to spend time with her children and not have to get up at five o'clock in the morning and go to the gym for an hour so that she could wake up with her children and, it's giving her permission to do that and maybe look at another way in which we can put movement in and um, yeah. And give her back her body and her ownership in that, as opposed to just feeling like she's constantly in battle with what she thinks her life should be. Yeah. I often say this, it creates a lot of friction with people, but I honestly don't believe we can have it all all of at the same time. I just don't, yeah. I just, I just, yeah, I don't, I've seen it for 13 years of all of these women trying to have it all. And in the end, it's at the detriment to, to yeah. the body, to their physiology or to their relationship. Or like, you know, there's always, a, there's always pieces that come up that, and it's not, it's not their fault. It's not our fault. It's society, no. you know, and this is yep. what I, I don't really like about the feminist movement is that, you know, where we were taught about like, you know, we should, we could have it all. We could, we can do it all. And we just can't do it all, all of the time or at the same time. Um, and that's okay. You know, we have like these periods in our life that we have to like really readjust our expectations on ourselves uh, based on our like reality and that, we just can't, the physiology actually can't tolerate it all, all of the time. <laughs> no. Yeah. And I would agree with you. 
Um, and that's where I think that learning that value, learning the power in the values and identifying where you're at and what your environment is and how you want to play in that environment, um, mm. again, is such power in owning your health because yeah. our values change. You know, one day you're not going to want to be a mum who wakes up with her children at the crack of dawn and you know one day they're going to be going to school and they're going to be doing their own things and so maybe you will want to then have a value in exercise and you'll want to get up at the crack of dawn and do your thing or whatever that is for you um but you know it's not yeah you you can have it all but you have to realize what that all is um because uh, yeah, I think sometimes we miss that point and you nailed that in saying it's society's expectations that all is defined as the career, the family, the house, all of those things. But that's not your all. That's not your values. So, yeah. Yeah. The reason why I, I, I'm really enjoying that we're spending quite a bit of time on this first piece, like your first step, is because often it's not really looked at and a lot of us actually don't do this work on our own, you know, again, we're not really taught about all this work, you know, uh, or we just don't have the energy to actually think about it because we have so yeah. much, so much going on that, that you lead these women. And this is really important um, around like, yeah, like, like values and, and their world, you know, how do they, how do they want their world to be? How do they want all their metrics to be? Like, how do they want to feel? How do they want to relate? Uh, you know, what do they enjoy? There was this really cool, um, I have it in my notes here from your podcast notes, but I really like, you did a post and it was around, um, oh, it was the motivation. So, you know, like we're trying to find this motivation, but if we do things that inspire us, you know, we don't need the motivation. We'll just keep going because it inspires us. And I think if we can be connected into like our why and our values that, you know, it just like creates so much more joy and stability in the journey. So, I mean, I would love to credit that for myself, but a lot of the values work that I do is off Dr. Martini. I don't know if you've ever come across his stuff or anyone listening, but that's sort of the, the basis of what that first module is all about. Um, and so he defines that as inspiration comes from within and motivation is like that dangling of the carrot. I'll be happier when I lose five kilos. I'll be happier when I, you know, finish the 12 week program. I'll be happier when, and you know, it's that destinational thing. Um, whereas that inspiration like I said, you know, what, what are the things that you spontaneously do without even thinking about it? Is it spending time with your kids? Is it going on dates with your partner? Is it going out with your friends? Um, you know, understanding what that is. And again, you talk about discipline in terms of um, paying attention to, you know, constantly pushing and just being um, dedicated but what are you not listening to in that process? And what are you, you know, that discipline and motivation don't necessarily come hand in hand either. And so when you can identify what that internal inspiration is, um, you're, more, you're more inclined to listening to those things that the body is telling you because you, you can nurture that and you'll have more energy from that. And when you have more energy, you tend to stick down that path. So again, it comes back to not listening to society's expectations and really paying attention to who you are, 
in that society. Yeah. Sounds really simple. It's not easy though. <laughs> it's definitely not. And like I said, it changes. Yeah. So um, yeah, it constantly changes. So yeah. and we again, have to be okay with that. Like we, yeah. or we have to know that it, it will change. Um, yeah. We'll have different seasons and stages of our life that yeah. our focus or our values or, you know, even, you know, what we're working on is different to how it was before. I think that's why so many women have a lot of, they have a really hard time of like, they just want to go back and do what they did before because it worked at the start and it does. Yeah. We eat a bit less, we train more and we totally, you know, we feel a bit better at the start and we lose some weight. But then what they start to realize is that the amazing body and physiology is really complex and what worked before is not working now. And that's one, because it's probably not working with your body. And it was probably from a place of like fear and scarcity and, you know, restriction and overtraining, but two, like look at where you are at in your, in your life. Like you're probably, your reality is probably changed. So therefore what you were doing before is not supporting the reality that you are living now. And that's not bad. And I say this to my women all the time. And I talk about this expectation reality gap. It's like, you have this reality of like what the body's telling you, where it's at, how you're living. And then you have these expectations and the gap is too big. It's creating too much friction and too much stress. So How can we work to close that gap over time? And it's making some changes, yes, in our reality if we want. And it's also readjusting our expectations. And I think yeah. the work that you're doing in this module one is really important because in the way I'm listening to it and hearing it, it's like that work. It's like looking at their reality and how they're living. And it's not good or bad. It just is what it is, you know, and Correct. we need to be aware of that. And then it's looking at your expectations and, you know, the gap is too big, too much pressure. (laughs) We don't want that much work. Let's bring it in a little bit. Yeah. 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 And so it's really, yeah, it's really cool work to hear that you're doing because it's going to help close that gap. It's going to help support them in their reality a bit more, but it's also going to help them readjust their expectations. And it's, you know, when we're talking about this, it sounds like that expectation, you know, that that's we're not talking about that it's not reachable, that it's, you know, that expectation can't be achieved eventually. But, you know, if you're constantly reaching for something that is so far away and you're constantly missing, that failure hurts, that, you know, that disappointment hurts. And so if we can, if we can close the gap and bring those expectations in a little bit so that you can reach them and you are empowered from that and it feels good to actually achieve and learn, then you're more likely to be able to get that long-term response. Um, But, you know, something else that was really interesting there is the fact that, you know, you talked about seasons and it's the same with, yes, our values are constantly changing, but our cycles are constantly changing. Our bodies are constantly changing. And so it's, again, starting that practice of recognising the constant change, the constant feedback and learning to apply the data to get the response that you want as opposed to again just diving into another plan or another program to apply to you you're trying to do it the other way around yeah I actually read something really cool uh this morning I'm gonna see if I can pull it up really quick because I think what you just said then is because I talk a lot about strategy and plans um but I read this really cool thing this morning and I'm just seeing if I can find it because I think it's going to resonate with well it resonated with me um bring it on okay so 
Strategy is not about the perfect plan or achieving results in a known and foreseeable environment, but in an environment that is unknown and unforeseeable. Ooh. Because like, if you think about, okay, all of this stuff, yeah, and we want a strategy and a plan, and I believe that we need a strategy and a plan. Yeah, your modules are a strategy, they're a plan. Um, It's really important. But where I think we're missing it, and I just see this all the time, is we get super frustrated when things don't go to plan and things are never going to go to plan. No, we don't want them to go to plan. Yeah, and the strategy is in, like, the unforeseeable and the unknown. Like that's how you get really good at like strategy and plan. And I think connecting with your body and taking ownership and responsibility is if you can be okay, that it's not going to be like known. Yeah. And if you have all these, like, um, you know, you've, you've spent the time listening to your body and building these foundations and you have these tools and resources, it is a strategy, but the strategy is placed in like the unknown. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's getting, it is, it's exactly that getting familiar with the unknown and that the unknown is safe and you can still enter into that period of unknown without feeling overwhelmed and without feeling like, yeah, you're not, we ne- if we want to level up and if we want to come into ownership and we want to come into understanding our health, we've never been there before. So, of course, it's going to be unfamiliar. Of course, it's going to be um, unknown. And that's, like you just said, that's where the magic lies. Yes. You know, <laughs> and I, because I'm doing my event this weekend, I've been thinking a lot about it, thinking a lot about timelines. And so, like, I'd love, you know, you speak of the five modules, you know, and that could be timeline of years. Yeah. Uh, often people think about, yeah, okay, I do module one, two, three, four, five, done. Like, you know, yeah. but that's, it's not, you could spend like probably six to 12 months just on module one, like really understanding, like all of that stuff you were talking about anyway. So I was looking at this timeline piece and thinking about this strategy stuff and, like I was looking at my timeline and yes, I've had like a plan and, and a process and a method, but in that I've had so much stuff come up, like with my body, with my, you know, in my life that over time you get really good at being able to like listen and respond and support your body. And that is the strategy. You know, it's not like do this training, eat this food. That's not the strategy. The strategy is in spending the time, like 10 years, like a decade, listening to the body and then being able to support it when things come up, whether that's injury or stress or trauma or a move or a relationship breakdown. That's the strategy. Yeah. And, you know, to bring that like down again a little bit every month we get a new set of symptoms a new set of data points to be able to put that strategy in place and so you know amy just said it could take 10 years for you to really hone into those modules and understanding what that is but it does you know that 10 years starts with every month and every month you showing up and reading what that is and just sitting with what that data is not getting frustrated with it not getting overwhelmed with it just a matter of this is this is what it is and how do I apply that into the next month? Um, and yeah, so it's just that patience and understanding in that as well. Yeah, I'm, I get so excited about this. 
Like I love, I just love talking about like strategies and, and plans, but like not in the way people think that we talk about strategies and plans, like that perspective, what you're talking about, Mel, the work that you do. um, And people hear that they hear 10 years and it's like, I, if I heard that 10 years ago, I would have been like, what the F? No way. Like, it's not going to take 10 years for me to get to like where I am right now. But like being on, you know, the other side, 10 years later, I'm like, it really does take like a good solid, like 10 years of like listening and collecting data and, you know, developing your strategies and your, yeah, your foundations. All the women out there are just going to be like, uh, stop playing, not listening to this anymore. Um, (laughs) But, you know, because, and another part of that is we've come from this, you know, the last couple of years and with the development of social media and TV shows and things like that, that they can buy fitness, they can buy our body, they can, you know, just buy into things. And so they've been sold to, they've been burnt. And so the idea that, you know, they join warrior school, for example, and, oh my God, I have to be in warrior school for 10 years. Like, you know, I have to pay this much money for 10 years. Like that's daunting and scary because like I said, they've just been burnt. They've just been used And that also is really confronting with getting to where they want to be as opposed to where they are now and having to know that it's the right thing for them or yeah, leaning into knowing it's the right thing for them. Yeah. I'm yeah, I'm not, I won't lie. It can be a scary thing, you know, can be really overwhelming and, uh, especially I say this a lot to the women, like I get it, you know, you've been, in this for like years or decades, even, you know, not feeling connected, feeling unwell, having no energy, having cycle problems. Like you've gone through over and over and over again to try and like find the answer or find the way out. So by the time you get to me, I totally, I totally understand why you're tired and you're frustrated. And then I go and say, (laughs) you know, you go and say, Hey, actually it's going to take, you know, another like a, a year or two just to like build your foundations and create stability you know that's really irritating I totally get it (laughs) yeah it's not a nice thing to hear but you know what ladies we're not here to tell you the nice things (laughs) we're here to tell you the real things and we're here to help you because nobody else has been telling them to you um Yeah. yeah um but yeah again that's something that you know it's confronting for even say for us, well, I know for me in business, I'm like, Oh, I know where I want to be. Like, let's do this now. You know what? There's a process involved with that. There's learnings involved with that. And um, it just comes with every step of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And it's, you know, we get, we get results along the way as well. We get better markers, we we get better energy. We have more regular cycle. Like there's these things that pop up for sure along the way. Um, It's, And also we never get there. Do you know what I mean? Often we want to get from A to B, but like B just keeps moving away because we can see all these opportunities and possibilities that, you know, what we could do with our life, how we could feel, what we could do with our body. Um, And we never really want to get to B. Yeah. Because if we get to B, we'll like, well, that's like, (laughs) yeah. 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 So I think if we can change that as well, it's like, you know, it's not a, I'm going to do this for six weeks or 12 weeks, or I'm going to get from here to here, you know, getting from here to here, 
you know, can take years or decades or, but like, you know, you don't want to just get to be go to like no. C, D, E, F, G, H, you know, go to like Z. You want to get to Z. Z yeah. <laughs> I want to get to Z too. Um, something that I practice with my clients as well is that, you know, when they do talk about their history and what they've done and what hasn't worked for them, it's finding the benefit in that, you know, what did you learn out of that? What did, what did come from you? You didn't fail anything. So what did you learn from that? And so just again, giving them the power to go, Hey, that was a learning experience. That wasn't a failure. That wasn't me being mean to my body or anything like that. Um, it was just a thing that happened. And now I'm going to take that data of what I feel like didn't work and use that in my steps coming forward. Yeah. Super powerful. What, mm. um, when we know better, we can do better, you know, and it's not our fault that we don't know better. It's just that we're, we're only going to know better when we listen. Yeah. And listen, understand, allow, receive support. And then when we can do that, we're, we know better. <laughs> we do. And it's okay to know better. And it's okay to have a voice in knowing better as well. Even when society is telling you something different or your friends are telling you something different or your family <laughs> is telling you something different, you're allowed to have that voice and know what's best for yourself. Yeah. For so long, no one brings up any conversations really around like training or nutrition with me. Yeah. Not like, do you know what I mean? Because like, oh, I just won't, I won't get into those conversations, you know, because like I know better. Yeah. I've listened to my body for, for a decade or more than a decade. And I know what works for my body. Like I understand my body so deeply that no matter what I heard, of course, I'd be like curious and open to like, Hey, yeah, there's this research or, you know, you believe this, that's interesting. But when you know, like you deeply know your body and how to support it, I think it's one of the most powerful things that you can do while you're alive. But it doesn't make for good conversation, right? Like, (laughs) yeah, I mean, it it does between you and I, it does, but you know, you're not going to talk at the dinner table about how you had this amazing epiphany with, you know, your training and your cycle or, you know, that's not very good dinner table conversation, maybe for some of us, but, you know, whereas talking about the latest fad or talking about the latest training or whatever, everyone loves it. It's, you know, we're in there, but it's just at the end of the day, it's actually not empowering. It is truly empowering to sit there and go, I know what's happening in my body and I have control over that. And I think I can stand for both of us when I say this, this is what we want for our women and this is what we're hoping to achieve. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Let's end on that because that is a place to end. Uh, Well, you just have to tell us about uh, where we can find you and your work. Um, But we're going to end, like end the conversation on, on that piece. Okay. So at the moment, Instagram is the best place to find me. Mel underscore K, my full surname underscore X Fizz. Um, and you know what? Just reach out, ask questions. Let's start a conversation because that's what I'm here for. I want to empower women to start those conversations and not just listen to society's expectations. Oh yeah, Mel. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for the work that you do. Uh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to connect with you, collaborate with you, uh, and to watch you help all of these women. Thanks for having me, Amy. And you know what? Thanks for 
it's yeah thanks for providing a platform where women can also speak their truths yeah it's really important because like you said at the start it's super uh toxic and it doesn't actually inspire us and we get to choose you know you know we get to choose who we allow into our worlds and into our lives and those people they really need to be women that inspire you. Yeah. And I learned this stuff from, I'm not ending the conversation, but we'll just end it in a second. I learned this stuff from the Butterfly Foundation. I used to work for them, which is like a non-for-profit in Melbourne. And they go into schools and do uh, body image and self-esteem workshops for kids from like year, you know, year three all the way up to year 12. And we had this component in there, which was on social media. And it was about like, does it inspire or does it trigger you? Uh, but you might not even know it's triggering you in like a angry trigger way. Just like, is it triggering like an internal narrative or is it triggering you? Like, does it change, you know, your behaviors about like, will you not feel your body or will you actually, you know, just, and I think it's a really cool way to look at it is like, is it inspiring me? Or is it actually triggering me and not an angry trigger? It could be, but like a trigger as in like, you know, shaking my confidence or I'm not listening to my body when I'm following all these people and I'm listening to what they're doing. Uh, And so I think, yeah, I think you should. Triggering a change in attitude. Yeah. Follow Mel because she will inspire you. That's where I was going with it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm going to go and like recover for an hour and a half before I teach my, um, end of year event. Yeah. So good. Okay, Mel, thank you so much. Thank you, Amy. Have an awesome event. Thank you. Okay, I can't press stop because that actually something happens with Zoom and then it like shuts down or freezes. So I just have to keep it going. And then when we finish, I have to, we'll press stop. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I appreciate your time. (laughs) We've stopped the podcast. Um, But yeah, I really appreciate your time. Was that okay? Thank you. It was amazing. Yeah, I reckon there'll be a lot of really cool. Um, the best ones are when we just have a, a conversation, and the, the women would just like pull out these random pieces that we I, we won't even remember that we've said, but it's just like they're like, oh, when this was said, I loved it, and it really <laughs> yeah. resonates with them. So. Yeah. I think I've done that with Leela's podcast a couple of times, and she's like, "Did I say that?" I'm like, "Yeah, girl, you did." <laughs> Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, okay. Well, I'm going to go pee and eat food and get ready for, yeah, to perform again. Thank you very much. Have an awesome night. Okay. Well, I'll see you. See you online. See you see next you online. week. Yeah. Can we take a selfie? Is that okay? Oh, absolutely. I always forget. I'm so fucking bad with this kind of stuff sometimes. Like I just have, I forget. Okay. I'm coming. One, two, three. (sighs) Okay, I need to do it. Okay, hold on. Hang on. (laughs) Beautiful, Mel. Okay. Thank you very much. See you later. Warrior Woman, you can listen to these episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please give it love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, 
please rate it and share it with another warrior woman. Also, tag me in it on Instagram with your biggest takeaways.